0: Welcome to the Reconciliation in the Early Years, Yarning with Joe and Adam podcast series. Together with Adam Duncan and Joe Goodwin, we'll draw on their experience and professional perspectives on some of the key obstacles faced by educators surrounding reconciliation in the early childhood education and care sector.
1: On behalf of the team, I want to acknowledge that we are meeting virtually on unceded land. Genevieve and I are working on and Nambri country, and Joe is on Kujungbara country. We pay our most profound respects to the elders who have been custodians of these places since time immemorial, and to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander colleagues listening.
0: Well, hello, and welcome back to our Early Childhood Australia podcast series. I'm Genevieve Jacobs. I'm a journalist and broadcaster, and I'm having a series of conversations with early childhood educators Adam Duncan and Joe Goodwin. We're exploring ideas around reconciliation, and how it connects with the early childhood learning experience. I'm yarning with Adam and Joe about a range of different issues that occur to them in their careers as Aboriginal teachers. Adam's a Biripi man, part of the team that developed the Narigana Wally reconciliation in schools and early. Program. Jo is a descendant of the Waterloo people and she has extensive experience in the early childhood profession. She's worked with a lot of non profits and governments leading innovative programs for children, families, and communities, and both of them are strongly focused on amplifying Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children's voices. This episode, we're talking about closing the gap and its relevance within the early childhood sector. Great to have you back, Adam and Joe. It's a particularly significant question because outcomes three and four of the Closing the Gap initiative do identify the importance of the early childhood years, the significance of quality early childhood education and care to reach the Closing the Gap targets. Joe, I want to start with you. What is the size of the gap for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children?
2: That's a really good question, and I think the Closing the Gap initiatives, it aims to improve the life and outcomes of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples with respect to health and wellbeing, education, employment, justice, safety, housing, lands, waters and language, and all the things that, to be really honest, non-Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people really don't have to think about too much on a day-to-day basis about. The initiative of closing the gap and why that gap exists. So it's to cover off on and address past government policies and implementation of policies and the impact that that's had on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and Aboriginal, particularly in children's space. It's about you know ensuring that our children are born strong and healthy, that our children thrive in the early years. And that children engage in high quality and culturally appropriate early childhood education. There's some of the things that Closing the Gap is aiming to address. Adam,
0: is Closing the Gap a useful idea in this early childhood space? Does it work to actively address disadvantage among Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children?
1: It's an important tool and benchmark for where outcomes for young Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children are currently sitting it's a good benchmarking tool. I think there's a bit of a disconnect in regards to the things that the Closing the Gap reports measure and how we then work with children and young people to meet those expectations, to bring up their outcomes, to match their non-Indigenous peers. In terms of its position in the early years, the thing that has always spoken most prominently to me in regards to the Closing the Gap goals is that we see evidence to suggest that if these things are not addressed in the early years, it's exacerbated. The gap is exacerbated. The the gap widens as children get older. And I think that is evidence enough to suggest that it is vitally important that we engage with the closing the gap goals and expectations in the early years so that we're doing right by our young people when they then move on to primary and secondary schooling.
2: And isn't it interesting, Adam, the language that because it is, it's about that deficit of not acknowledging the strength and resilience that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have brought into the space since colonisation and since, you know, this ongoing impact of previous government policies and the stolen generations and, you know, the number of our children that are in out of home care and go to juvenile justice and end up in correctional sense. So I, I think that's quite. Language is so important when we're talking about this, and it's really careful that we don't continue to reinforce stereotypes that are out there as well.
0: Look, I, I just want to also acknowledge that that, that this is awkward language. And in lots of ways, it's an awkward concept because it's putting sort of in its original conception, a political timeline around things that are deeply grounded, very complex issues that are not easily resolved to the satisfaction of politicians within electoral cycles. I think it's really good to sort of call that out and name it because Joe, there are actually quite a lot of myths around this idea, a lot of flat out misconceptions, a lot of assumptions that can become perhaps a problem in early childhood education. Yeah, Yeah,
2: absolutely. I heard just recently leading up to the big event that we had in this country recently, which was the election was about that all parents have a choice about whether or not they choose to use early education and care settings. And parents actually don't have that choice. If you're living in remote or very remote part of Australia, and you're looking for a quality early childhood service for your child, particularly we know that our Aboriginal mob tends to, does have a lot higher population by virtue of of the amount of people that live remotely, which is saying 20%. And of that 20%, it's higher number of our mob that are living in remote. But to make some assumptions that there's a choice to be made about quality early childhood education and care for your child is it's ridiculous because we don't have that level playing field when we start to think about what services are available in early childhood and we also, what we're not taking into account is the family's experience that they've had in engaging in with early childhood services and that first formal years of schooling and how are we building up the trust quotient out there so that our mob can actually be comfortable and confident that my child is going to have much better outcomes from engaging and attending and participating
0: in this early childhood service. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, Adam, if we acknowledge, first of all, sort of the language and the concept is a problem, but it describes something real, that there are a lot of assumptions and a lot of myths and, and things that are often quite wrong about how people assume early childhood education can work for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children. How can early childhood educators meet those challenges. This is really important but it's also quite complex contested space. So what do early childhood educators need to do? I think
1: that early childhood teachers and educators need to first and foremost accept and build an understanding of how interrelated the closing the gap goals are. We can't discount the idea that these misconceptions exist within teacher and educator minds and hearts as well. First and foremost, I would say that educators and teachers need to understand how intrinsically linked health outcomes are to education outcomes and that health is more than just, you know, going to the match nurse when the child is born and and they're, you know, they're eating food and they're, gro- you know, growing up physically strong. We're talking about children dealing with systemic and intrinsic racisms. And from day dot, these children and families are dealing with these issues and they have strong impact on their engagement with the early years learning environments in which they're being placed, whether they have a choice of settings or not. We have to be advocates for these children. We have to understand the positions that they're coming from and the positions that their families are coming from. We don't live in an Australia where the education system has forgotten and the families have forgotten the policies and the racisms faced by parents and grandparents and we're not past this stuff yet.
2: And I'm not sure that we're actually either how well educated a lot of educators are about the truth of the past policies and the impact that it's had and that understanding that about the child just doesn't bring themselves into the early childhood space. The child is bringing the family and the community in which they're from and the histories of that family and community into that space as well. And, you know, if you really haven't explored or understand the Aboriginal history of this land since colonisation, you're actually not going to be able to really understand what that family and child is bringing
0: into your early learning space. But to go to your point, Jo, about the need for access and equity for Aboriginal children. I think what we're also discussing is that the early childhood space is an amazing opportunity to be transformative for children. You you can literally have the chance to change the course of some children's lives by helping them reach their full potential in the early childhood learning experience.
1: I think it's a really good point, Genevieve. And just to connect the, the point about the potential lack of quality care and education, particularly in remote and semi-remote communities. I think a big part, too, is that situation like this where Joe and I are having this conversation with you, the training level of Indigenous teachers across the sector is barely meeting the requirements in regards to early childhood education and care. This instance where Joe and I are here together... It's unusual, I think, to have such experienced.
2: So, Adam, yeah, it's about the opportunity, you know, have Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander families and children. The opportunities that we can provide them through early childhood, what Genevieve was talking about is, you know, it's a great opportunity. but It's also reflecting on, well, what opportunities went before for their families and for the community so that this, so that we can start to think about acknowledging the strength and resilience of the families and the community and understanding that in order for us to get in, I'm going to use the word healthier space, for lack of a better word to use, we have to ensure that the opportunities are there regardless of where you live and that the opportunities respond to the individual needs of that child and of that family. Because, you know, as I've said, and I am going to labour this point a little bit, and I'm sorry out there in listening land if you think, oh, my God. The child does not come in independent of the family and of the community and of all those histories. So to really meet those needs and to provide that opportunity and to ensure that there's much more better outcomes for our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children, you have to be able to understand and respond to the needs of the family and the community as well in which you're living or working.
0: Adam, let me go to you on that. Do you think that either government or the broader community has quite understood how complex and multi-layered that situation is with regard to the importance of early childhood education for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children? Do you think people understand the challenges but the huge importance of early childhood for, for this cohort of kids?
1: Absolutely not. Genevieve, mm-hmm running the risk of maybe wearing my politics on my sleeve, I don't think that the general population understands the value of early childhood education for any children, Mm. let alone the um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children and other children who face disadvantage for various reasons in the contemporary Australian context. I think partly feel like the closing the gap reports, while they make an attempt to clarify current state of health and education outcomes for Aboriginal people throughout their educational careers. I think there's some work to be done in regards to upskilling the general populace in their understandings and engagements with the gaps, the health and education gap as it stands. And I think if we're able to build an understanding of the importance of early childhood education, more generally, it's an opportunity then to make that connect with how important it is to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities in which the education system has thoroughly let down in the past, but building up a picture of hope and making a connection to the potential closing the gap targets.
2: And I was just thinking, Adam, too, one of the things that currently happens is that it's just some of the they report is just about the quantity of things and not about any of the outcomes. So how are we measuring real social outcomes and real change? Because that's what we need. We mm. don't need mm. to hear that 80% of four-year-old Aboriginal children attended a preschool program run by a four-year teacher three days a week over blah, blah, blah. Mm. That doesn't tell us anything. That absolutely doesn't say how well did we engage with this child? How well did we engage with them? How well are we representing the community in which the child comes from? Have we developed a trust relationship with this family? Is this child going to transition into a, to school with and the family with a sense of, of trust and value, you know, that they're valued and they're heard and they're seen? So, yes, so I think we've got a long way to go in which we start to measure some of those meaningful social outcomes that happen because of children attending and being fully included and participating in an in early childhood program. But I also think to that end, the, um, the Coalition of Peaks have done a little bit of work in relation to starting to think about locally-led solutions. Let's work together to find out what can work here.
1: I feel like it touches on a broader conversation around the importance of Indigenous perspectives, not only in early childhood education and primary and secondary education settings, but also this idea that there is benefit to an Indigenous perspective, an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander perspective on a research that in the space touching on the idea of a longitudinal study with a really socially focused methodology Mm. that doesn't exist. You know, it's all about statistics and this is to do, like I said, a broader conversation around the politics and research in the space. It's a good one. I think it's a conversation that should be had because it's really hard to reduce our impact and the actual ongoing change that goes, the transformational change that we potentially Seed in young children without that social insight or social cultural socio cultural insight later on in life.
2: Add a little bit more to Adam's point was about that it can be sometimes with these initiatives that the message can be we're looking after that, so you need not worry to look after that, as opposed to you are contributing actively contributing to the outcomes that happen in this space. So we need to hear your voice, we need your participation and we need you to really understand what these initiatives are. And I'm not sure that the messaging is quite right yet to actually invite all the early childhood educators and teachers and practitioners into the space to be invested and own you know, our input contributes to getting these
0: outcomes happening. And and I guess that's exactly where I wanted to to go to as we come to the, the close of this episode whether early childhood educators, teachers are themselves sufficiently prepared for this powerful and significant aspect of their work, whether there is enough investment in what early childhood educators need to be able to do to facilitate that journey towards closing the gap. Adam, what do you think?
1: Absolutely not. I think in connection to they're only beginning to understand the the goals and the impact that past policies and systems have had on the communities. They absolutely do not understand the power they have in this space. And I think there are organisations working with early childhood education and care teachers and educators to get them across that, but there's a long way to go.
0: Joe, what, what do you think? Do teachers have the resources that they need to make the difference that is possible um, in this space? So that's interesting. so resource wise, Snake,
2: you know, Secretary for National Aboriginal and Child Care. Be very remiss of me if I didn't actually consider it would be difficult. I'm thinking about it. if I was a non-Aboriginal working in this space, would I? You don't have to know everything, but you do need to start to know something. And you know, Snake is a great organisation that's out there. They've just started. Policy Partnership, Early Childhood Policy Partnership Group with the Coalition of Peaks to make the necessary changes in early childhood education and, and out-of-home care because I don't think we can talk about probably another point I'm raising very late in the conversation, sorry about this, but is out-of-home care and the impact of out-of-home care and early, the, we can't talk about early childhood without really considering the overrepresentation of our children in the out-of-home care system and Are educators and teachers knowledgeable enough about that space? No, I don't think they are. There's a lot of work to be done in that space, but I think that snake can resource the early childhood space and and does a great job of bringing both thinking about early childhood education and care and out-of-home care and where they meet and the knowledge to really understand and explore what's
0: going on in that space Um, and how to best work in partnerships. Yeah. Adam, I think I have to bring you in on that. That's such a powerfully important point that Joe has just raised, that out-of-home care and that Venn diagram with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children and the rates of removal that we know continue to happen across this country is just a whole other profound issue that we're not certain that early childhood educators necessarily know how to grapple with from either side, are we?
1: Yeah, absolutely not. I mean the language used around this is very confronting but the idea that the stolen generation is something that is in australia's past is a fallacy and i think that overrepresentation those numbers are really really confronting it's not something i think a lot of people in the early years learning space are even open to hearing i think i feel like it's a really hard thing to To grapple with. And we absolutely need to support each other in understanding that, understanding that the overrepresentation, the numbers are still far, far too high, and that we need to all work together in the space to better understand how we can move forward from that.
0: Well, this has been a really powerful conversation. I think we've gone into some really deep territory and part of this podcast series will also be dealing with trauma-informed practice and and care. Adam and Jo, thank you for exploring multiple issues with Great thought and great commitment. It's been great to talk to you both about this somewhat fraught idea of closing the gap, but also the huge power that early childhood education has as an important tool in achieving equity for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children. Thanks both for your time.
2: Thanks, Genevieve, and see you, Adam.
1: Thank you. Bye.
0: You have been listening to the Reconciliation in the Early Years Yarning with Joe and Adam podcast series. The copyright of this podcast series is owned by Early Childhood Australia, all rights reserved.